I could take out of my life everything except my experiences at St. Andrew, and I still have a rich, full life. But the last tee shot I hit was more like it, that one in the playoff. Against Biden and Ray. That's right. The best thing to win the Masters, you, you will be here forever, as long as, as you are still alive, so that's the best thing. I'm very happy. Welcome to episode 77 of Talking Golf History, aptly titled, A Golf Historian's Guide to Pinehurst. Folks, sit back and relax, because we have a really fun show for you. A show that is designed to give you a golf historian's glimpse of Pinehurst and hopefully give those of you who are visiting Pinehurst something to explore between your golf rounds. We are joined today by Pinehurst resident, golf historian, and author Chris Bowie. Before we jump into our interview, I must warn you that Chris's mic had a little feedback from time to time in our interview. I did my best to dampen that sound for your listening pleasure. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work out, but I've included an outtake from a recording when Chris stepped out of the room. It's an intimate conversation between Von Halyard of Story Lounge Films and myself that you might find amusing. Nothing profound, just two guys who love the game of golf. Stick around after the theme music to listen in. A special thanks to the Village of Pinehurst, Pinehurst Resort, and the Tufts Archives for welcoming us golf history nerds to record some of your story. Now on the tee, a golf historian's guide to Pinehurst. Welcome to a special edition of Talking Golf History. Today we're filming on location at the Tufts Archives in the village of Pinehurst with special guest Chris Bowie, local resident, author, and historian. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Chris. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here and say that I've admired your show. I've listened to a few of them recently. I've listened to some before, but uh, uh, it's a great service that you're providing, and I'm very happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you, you, you've written, you said, two and a half books. Maybe give us a, a little idea of the books you've written. I wrote uh, a book. Um, the first one was called uh, The Early Days of Pinehurst, which was... Um, an extension of some essays that I did for Rand Morissette's um, Golf Club Atlas. I just wrote a few essays on there, and then I thought, wow, if I write about the same amount, it could be a book, you know, which I didn't plan on doing. But I did, and it was, uh, it was eye-opening. You know, I, I had broad outlines and even some details, but uh, getting into that was... Um, fascinating, and there were there was just a lot more that went on that uh, that I hadn't known about, and so I finished that book right before the 2014 Open, and I thought that was going to be the last book. That was your first book. That it might have been your last one. Yeah, I had no plans to to write another book, and I, you know I finished it before the Open. That's great. I wrote a book. You know, that wasn't planned, and I went to the Open. 
And the first day I walked in, there were people, masses of people from the clubhouse all the way down past the practice area, cradle, all the way down to number one course. And I've been going to tournaments here since the 70s, long time ago, and it just, I couldn't believe that there were that many people here. And I had just, the thought was that, I mean, how many people have something that happened, they did 100 plus years ago, and this many people show up to see what you did that long ago, and it brings billions of dollars, you know. This one guy, yeah. I mean, he had help, of course, but, yeah. uh, and the clear thought was, okay, I have to know who this guy was. Uh, just right then, so another unplanned book, but I think what they was the, go, What was the next book? What was that called? Uh, um, the Life and Times of Donald Ross. Yeah. Just a nice, solid title. Nothing yeah. fancy. Yeah. And um, so both of those were, you know, just inspired to do. And I think, well, I guess it all depends. But for me, it's better if it goes like that because sure. it's not an effort to do it it's just a drive. there's no deadline <laughs> yeah 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 i we can argue about deadlines with publishers but uh, uh i i did focus on getting them as good as i could and then after that i thought i would just write a short one on southern pines because i had the material i probably wouldn't get back to it um you know, it wouldn't be as fresh in my mind. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll just finish this little book, which is small. It's like 60 pages, mainly photographs. And, uh, you know, so they're out there if people want to get them. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the best way to get them? Uh, you know, the same like Amazon, Amazon usually. Yeah. Um, Amazon really should pay for advertising space. Yeah, they the should. <laughs> well, uh, the, uh, they got a lot of mentions. Well, the hardback, actually, the... Um, the Ross one, it's better to order from uh, Classics of Golf directly. Better, that's better than Amazon. That's yeah. not just being... And um, uh, if you're in the area, the, um, the country bookshop in Southern Pines is uh, terrific. They carried it, and they're, it's a really charming... Uh, it's a good place to... Um, to visit when you're here, it really is. The downtown Southern Pines is great as well as Piners. They're both, they're seven miles apart on the, I think it was the first four lane highway in North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, with all the pine trees down yeah, the middle. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and so, um, you know, it's, it's basically one big place, you know, and then, um, but we, all the different towns enjoy insulting each other because Southern Pines is mainly equestrian. And uh, Pinehurst is golf, and so uh, they like to cast aspersions back and forth. And oh, that's funny. Like, and it's all in good spirits. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, so, yeah, that's part of the, uh, the local flavor there. Yeah. Did you consider yourself a golf historian prior to writing those books? I mean, did you know no. much about Donald Ross? I mean, a deep knowledge of him prior to... Right. Well, pretty good, because I grew from the age of 10, I grew up here. We play golf all the time. I would consider myself a golfer, you know, heavily into golf. And I knew Ross. I mean, not, I knew a pretty good amount about the guy. Um, but growing up, we were focused on trying to play well. And the architecture, you know, didn't wasn't really analyzing that other than this is where you want to hit it. 
Well, I'm sure you take it for granted, right? Uh, I mean, when that's all you play out here, I, I can't imagine yeah, if you go anywhere else in the United States, you're like, is this yeah. golf? Well, we didn't realize growing up here uh, when, you know, people would come to play here. I mean, we, this is where we live. Wherever you grow up is normal. Absolutely. You know, if you grow up in Trailer Park, or if you grow up in Absolutely. the Upper East Side, you think it's normal. That we grew up here, so you know, this is what we do. Uh, but, you know, it was an unfair advantage for us because, you know, they're coming in, it's a Pinehurst, and they're from some, you know, little town or something, and they're just not as used to that. And playing in the Travis uh, episode that you did, it yeah. talked about courses producing, you know, tough courses producing a good player. And uh, so... Uh, this my senior year in high school. I lived right across the street from the second hole on number two. After school, I would walk across the street. My first shot was the approach shot with a two iron or a one iron with a ballada to the green on the second hole of number two, which is one of the hardest holes. Absolutely. I think it's that and the fifth hole are the only holes in this town that I've never birdied. Uh, yeah. Um, to, that I, I don't think I have. I'm sure about the fifth hole. I don't think I ever birdied the second hole. But that was the first shot, which is a 210-yard long iron trying to roll it up. And I didn't think of it being, you know, I thought this is a, you know, a challenge, but I didn't, you know. In your youth, you, you don't just think get, of things like that. Yeah. No. You're yeah. just trying to move the ball toward the hole. Yeah, <laughs> trying to, which was uh, a challenge. My short game was pretty good, but the long game was uh, hit or miss. I Pinehurst has been called the American home of golf. It, it, it's not home to the first public golf course. That's Van Cortland Park in New York. It's not home to the first golf course in the United States. Why do you think it's earned the, the moniker America's home to golf? Yeah, I think, well, the first 18-hole course in North America, I think, was in Canada. I can't remember the name of it right now. Pretty Montreal, sure. There were a Niagara, lot of Scots. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Uh, but Pinehurst, it, uh, it wasn't intended to be for golf, um, but guests would just started playing in 1897. And uh, so they, you know, they were kind of improvising. And so they said, well, we'll, we'll make them a little course. And so they built a nine-hole course, which is eerily similar to the cradle it's in the same place the holes yeah. some of the holes look the same and that I, is that why it's called the cradle i mean is well, there yeah, is there a story is, yeah that's um that is the reason but the reason it because they kept building courses they had to because the guests would come here and became really popular and um ross was the second pro that came here. The first one was Scottish as well. And he took the first rudimentary nine holes, which was designed by a doctor here or something. Dr. Culver, right? Yeah. 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 They Leroy didn't, Culver. They didn't he was, a, and I think it was from New York. It was a very yeah, weird. Yeah, it was uh, like the house doctor at a yeah. hotel, but he'd been to St. Andrews. And so, hey, you're the guy. There you go. He's the guy. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, like straight lines across the. Never designed before, but yeah. you're from, you've been exactly. there. Yeah. Nobody you get, knew. You get this. You know, they didn't. I'm surprised they knew which end of the club to hold. So they were just, you know, they got into it and people just it went up like that. And what happened was that prominent people in towns across the United States came here. You know, uh, that's what you did in the day. And when they came here, 
they got infected with the golf virus. And we have to have a course. Yeah. A lot of them had like a nine-hole rudimentary thing. Mr. Ross, would you mind coming to, you know, Schenectady or Pittsfield or wherever? Mr. Ross is happy to do that. Yeah. And so they got the bug here and they drafted him here. And so that that's how... That's how this becomes the home is because, you know, this is where it's the cog in the wheel. Mean, as far as yeah. the core, you know, there's other ones and other people did great stuff. It was all, uh, you know, a collective effort. But um, Ross was, uh, you know, he was at the forefront. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'd say another thing that that speaks to that. And we spoke about this a little bit in last night's panel was the fact that Pinehurst really adopted a, a almost Scottish style of golf where you have private memberships with public play. Yeah. And that probably helps as much as anything spread the gospel of golf across the United States. Yeah, yeah there's, there's that. And I was always, I've never heard anybody really talk, I've never really talked about it much, but the women were right in the middle of it from the get-go. Yeah, that, you for, know. some of the first women's locker rooms were here I at know, Pinehurst. They, uh, you know, they were... Um, Ross's mentor in Dornock, Scotland, uh, John Sutherland, he was a very prominent golfer there. But there's a, when I was doing the research, there was a photograph of him, Ross's esteemed, dignified uh, mentor, escorting a suffragette, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah off the course. Right. You know, they wanted the vote. They, they didn't have the vote here either, but it was not even, there was no, you know, there was no kerfuffle, no debate. It's the women were just there, and they were into it. And, um, yeah, there's some articles. One of the funniest articles I've ever read was about their attire. It's this elaborate thing oh, yeah. that they had to Massive do. gowns. I'll have and, yeah. to send that to you. Uh, it's, um, but I love that they were, you know, and the kids and everybody. And basically, the, you know, there's some old films that show it. The whole, this is the whole town, even up to when I was born, was just golf you know yeah. and you this is they have some regular there's a few regular type bars and like on the edge of pinehurst or whatever and uh, that's probably the only type of bars like that in north carolina where you can walk in wearing a pink polo shirt or something and it would be fine yeah Right. Maybe not so fine in other parts, <laughs> sure. but there's like other golfers. You yeah. Know, and this is just accepted as one of our own. Yeah. So I think that golfers that come here are just, I think they, you know, since I live here, it's hard to tell, but when they come here, you know, if they're into the sport, they feel at home and um, many stay. We're happy. If you're a golf no, enthusiast, yeah. We're happy to have you. I, I tell you, to that, to that very point, I, this is my third trip to Pinehurst. And for whatever reason, on this trip, I'm looking around and I was like, I think I need to live here someday. I think you do. I, I just I think that's it. I've never and, had that. It's uh, never Vaughn, for sure. And Vaughn needs, I've been. We've been recruited. Him. Well, he practically lives at uh, uh, Mr. Mickle's house. So yeah, that's true. That's his, yeah, that's basically one of his homes. The unofficial uh, mayor of Pinehurst and he's Southern the, Pines. He's the, yeah, we call him the mayor of Mid Pines. That's um, Mickle, Jay Mickle, who's, uh, who shames us all because, you know, he's 
a couple of years older than us and can walk 36 holes and still have a spring in his step. And I've only played 18 holes with him and I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> and he just keeps going. Just keeps going. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, when you get one of the things that happens here, um, at Pinecrest Inn is one of the places, the veranda there, is you meet people that have interesting, distinctive parts of uh, golf. Uh, the pros go there. I grew up. The announcers go there. Um, there's a guy that's there a lot that worked for Byron Nelson for years. Oh, wow. And I was there another time, you know, just we're talking, and this guy worked for Ben Hogan for years. He loved his employees. Hogan did. So we're talking about, and he just gave me a really great picture of what he was like and it just made sense and he was a great guy but that's the sort of random things that yeah. happen or you can walk through the club and you run into this or this ancillary it's, like it's a melting pot for golf yeah, right yeah and that's you know so it is yeah it's it's interesting it's an interesting location because as you walk down the street whether it's kindred spirit or not, yeah. you're connected to every single... You know they're yeah. a golfer, whether they oh, are yeah, or not. Yeah, and golfers belong... They all belong here. The people that live here, you always wonder, you know, when you visit somewhere, if you come in with a true golf spirit, you're like an honorary citizen, yeah. basically. I mean, honestly, it's like... I love it. When, and especially the kids, when they come here, their yeah. eyes are wide. And uh, that is... I get the biggest kick out of that, I'm telling you. Well, one, on that very point, when someone visits, we're, we're going to talk about a golf historian's guide to right. Pinehurst. So uh, I, maybe we should start right where we're sitting right here. We're in the Tufts Archives. Yeah. It's an amazing place. Oh, it's, yeah, the, uh, all of, um, or a lot of Ross's correspondence is here, a lot of um, ephemera and stuff like that. His, his drawings of all the golf courses, well, not all drawings. of them, but uh, like a lot of his golf courses. Uh, the uh, self-discipline that I've had to exercise and not accidentally borrowing one has been considerable. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's like, oh, this is it. Yeah, you've got other ones here. You know. <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, I, you know, it's a little bit... Yeah, there's tons of stuff here. This, But this library is not... I don't think it's funded by the town. It's by private funds. I think something like that. And... This is a place that needs to be kept, and it 100%. needs to be supported. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing for them to keep all this together to go out there and, yeah, to raise funds and stuff like that. This cannot, I mean, this place cannot go down. No, 100% yeah, agree. Got, I, I, I think, needs. and everybody who comes to Pinehurst really should, it's free to come in. Yeah. Please donate money. Absolutely. But you can walk along the walls. And, and pull out a golf course oh, and yeah. see the original plans by yeah. Donald Ross. Yeah, the, like in his notes. It's the crazy. Hand, the hand-drawn things, which I've spent a great deal of time on, you know, looking at those things. And it's, they, you know, there's more there than meets the eye and with the drawings and stuff. If you yeah. sort and, of look you at know, it. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of any other archives off the top of my head for architects that are centralized in one amazing location like this. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the USGA has. They have a lot of wonderful things. But, but not uh, dedicated to solely, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not coming in here to look up Tillinghast. Uh, yeah. Or Seth Rayner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is Donald Ross's work yeah, on the walls. Well, it, that's the, the thing that inspired me. I mean, all of this is this one guy 
uh, is we've all been basically dining out on his talent and the efforts that went in. And how many people do you think have come through here? U.S. Opens all the members, yeah. and that's what you know. Part of what inspired me because you know I, I know who Ross is, and did this and that, and you know. But it's I had to have a, a real look. Um, I was a social worker for years, and so I'm sort of trained to get in there with personalities mm-hmm. and to. Uh, discern uh, various qualities that are uh, implicit, explicit, things like that. I thought that might help um, write it. And when I so I start out writing the book, I privately had two suppositions. One was that um, that maybe it was exaggerated. His genius was exaggerated. You know, he's probably brilliant, and really smart, but. I'm thinking maybe not. And then the other one was that, you know, if you look closely enough, um, you know, people have faults. You know, we're human beings and stuff. Uh, Luckily, I've escaped having any faults, but I have great. You're the one. Yeah, I'm one of the few, but I have. Good news for you. I took all the others. uh, For the uh, lesser beings around, I try to be, like, nice and pleasant. Anyway, so both of those suppositions were entirely wrong. He was a genius, which, you know, was an intricate story to have that, you know, <laughs> to disguise yeah. the level of capability, talent, knowledge, ability to um, project uh, these brilliant scenarios on. If you walked out there, you know, you would think, I don't know. Um, and his, uh, he was uh, like a man of like sterling character, and uh, I mean a big part of his um, drive. I didn't know it's just, it was the same as um, old Tom Morris, who he studied under, which is they were both religious guys. But I didn't know. I mean, I knew they were religious. They went. Uh, when Ross was studying with him, he went to the Presbyterian Church. It was kind of where you went to get dinner and stuff. Yeah. But um, they both, uh, it was, the, Ross was raised pretty strict Presbyterian, and um, it informed his work that motivated a lot of it. I mean, he wanted to make money, you know, and he was proud and various things. He had to have jobs for people. But one of the reasons he kept going at such an incredible pace is because he believed that um, uh, the game made you a better person. It made the community better. You know, it brought different elements of the community together. And, you know, ultimately it makes the country, you know, it's golf just sort of engenders like consideration of others. Integrity. Just kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean, it just kind of happens because you're out there playing with people and you have to you know, be quiet and yeah. let for them. And um, so... Did you uh, get some of this information on the background of who he was from these archives? Like from correspondence? Yeah, some of the correspondence and um, a lot of... Well, I, I tapped into everything uh, that I could, and which was a ton. One of the things that surprised me, is I, which I didn't anticipate, was that I, was, I got to talk to six people that knew him personally. Oh, wow. 
I, I, yeah. I, and I was only after a few months into it, I'm like, I wonder if, you know, so and so. And yeah, oh yeah, I knew Don. And he gave me putting lessons when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Because we were antsy when we were having uh, lunch after church there. And he could see we were antsy and he would take us out and tell us, you know. It's lovely. And um, so. Uh, and there, yeah, some of them are still around. Pete Dye was one of them. He was kind enough to talk to me about his experience. He was uh, in the army. He was supposed to go over for the invasion of Japan, but of course that didn't happen. So they sent him to Fort Bragg. The generals there found out that he was an ace, so he was their ringer. So they brought him over here a lot, and he meets Ross. And he's like, he wants to show me the course. And he's like, I wasn't interested in it at the time, but it got on me. And yeah. So, Stuck with him. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, that's another of these ancillary things, is that you end up meeting these great people through the game, socially, and stuff like that. And um, it, there were various uh, sort of prominent people that were totally gracious. And it was like that as a kid as well with people like Peggy Kirk Bell. She would be around us and she was just acting like, you know, we're just talking on the same level here and everything. And you're like, okay, we're not on the same level. Yeah. You're Peggy Kirk. But <laughs> that's she right. would make you think that you were just yeah, her Just down to earth. And that's what I, you know, that was, those kind of things were, uh, that's an integral part of the game. The Tufts Archives is pretty much in the center of town, but from what I heard before we started recording, it's not the center of town. No, it's And there's another place that golf historians can check out that I wasn't even aware of, and that is... Yeah, it's the this Tufts Archives is about 15 feet from the center of town. The center of town was this big rock that's out there with a brass plaque on it now. And when James Tufts uh, bought the land here... I think it was about 6,000 acres, uh, a dollar an acre, more or less. And they thought he was crazy. Oh, they thought they were taking him for a ride. They're like, he <laughs> right. bought that, you know. Yeah. And uh, he said, okay, yeah. Um, and so he hired Olmstead, who did Central Park and is the father of uh, American, like, city landscape. Yeah, landscaping, like that. Yep. Um, he designed Pinehurst. It's designed the curved roads are intentional so that you can't hurry. Oh, really? They're to slow you down. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very the cool. Reason. Yeah, there's, brilliant. That was deliberate. Yeah, they were. It was supposed to be like sort of the opposite of living in the city. It was you, know, you could walk everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, they put uh, he put a stake there. They put the uh, big rock there. Um, as you can see right here on this thing. Yeah, so we are like yeah. 15, uh, yeah. well, we're probably 30 feet yeah. from it right now. Yeah, and the uh, the park out here behind us, that's where apparently they were hitting golf balls. There were cows in the, um, in the meadow there. Yeah. So it was like, I mean, that rock is like yeah. when you build a building, you put in the cornerstone yeah, exactly. and it is the cornerstone for the village of Pinehurst. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Is there a plaque with it too? Or is yeah. it just a rock? Yep. There's a plaque. We're going nice to have to check it out after this. Old plaque. Yeah. And um, yeah. And this was the Tufts Archives. This is the uh, library of Pinehurst for years. And then it became the Tufts Archives. Um, but it was... Um, developed by Ross's right-hand man, which was Eric Nelson, 
who was uh, one of the stars that you never heard about in his group. He had a close group of about six or seven guys that were all exceptional in their areas. And uh, they were Renaissance men. Of course, they worked for Ross, so you know, they were immaculately dressed and immaculately behaved because Ross uh, was known to yeah. not like rabble. <laughs> so, but he, he built uh, this, I think, in the early 60s, or he was the yeah. prime um, force for this place. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've gone to the Tufts. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing the cornerstone. You're a golf historian, or you're, you're interested yeah. in golf history. Where are we going to go next? Where would you take me? Well, I tell you, I mean, I would head right to the golf course if it yep. was me. You know, to which one here. are we going to? You got to go to the club there. You know, you go up the Regal um, Road there to the clubhouse, and if you do it in spring, it's uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. And pretty soon they're going to have the USGA is going to be right yeah, there. Yeah, the, they're going to be headquarters there and a brand new museum that's going to yeah. extend their reach from Far Hills, which. Yeah, that's terrific. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, well, it's rightful. I mean, this is, you know, basically the St. Andrews of the United States. I mean, it always has been. So, in the future date, we can go, I, I, you know, golf historians are going to Tufts, they're going to Cornerstone, they're going to go check out Piners Number Two yeah. in the process. The new USGA Golf Museum is going to be there that you're going to have to check out. An embarrassment of riches. An yeah. embarrassment of riches. Yeah. With historians on I, hand uh, to I, help you. I almost, I, uh, almost feel guilty at times, you know, for all of these different things that we have here. And, uh, and But I tell you, like I was saying, I mean, if you're a golfer, we are happy to have you. But, yeah, if you come here, I would, you go on the veranda, the porch there. There's a huge putting green. Gil Hans did. Uh, called Thistledew, which was named after an early yeah, it place was, um, here. James Barber, right? Yep. James Barber, the architect, and Thistledew. Barber, yeah. and now, the Thistledew at Pinehurst is not the original. Is that correct? Right, yeah. They, uh, it was at a house on the other side of the hotel here. Uh, it was a private thing there. These guys were all golf nuts. They played at night. They yeah. Matches at night. Love it. They Love just, these people. you know, were ridiculous, you know, and Hogan, when he came here, he said he was golfed out, you know, just like visiting here because he would stay with Dick Chapman who won the British Open and, or British Amateur and U.S. Amateur. And they would play in the house. They would have these games. Mm. Down, you know, so Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's golf nuts. And so, you know, there's plenty more out there. And, yeah. What I really think is cool about, I mean, the Thistledew. So, obviously, the new one is, is kind of a representation of what once was. Yeah. But the Thistledew is often given credit to the birth of miniature golf in the United States. Yeah, it's apparently. Again, Pinehurst. Yeah, all this ancillary stuff, you know, goes on. And there's so many different um, loops and, and turns with that. There's a film of it at the University of South Carolina. Really? Yep. Um, of them out there and Ross makes a brief appearance and they had all sorts of ridiculous uh, hazards and stuff like you would have to chip over you know like a hedge and then it would roll around yeah and yeah there's um, drawings of it were in like popular mechanics or something like yeah that. I mean one of the coolest things that when I was doing a little research for coming here was in 1927 
Walter Hagen called the Thistledew course the greatest short course he'd ever played. Yeah. Well, and, uh, he knew High a praise. couple of things about it. He uh, was all short he, games, so yeah, he, <laughs> I'm sure he won a couple bucks from the uh, Thistledew yeah. course. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. Um, he was quite, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, really. how can you not love him? Ugh, yeah. Well, he was, uh, he and Ross had a parallel in that uh, when Ross got here, the status of the club pro was uh, working class status. And they, um, and the touring pros were the same. They weren't allowed in the clubhouse and stuff like that. And uh, so uh, Hagen was the guy, basically, mainly, that uh, turned the tide for the, or raised the social status of the. Absolutely. Of the um, touring pro, uh, he did it through effervescence. I mean, if he came in smiling, looking like a million dollars, yeah, it would dress better than the members. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he just you know, he was uh, very charismatic, and you know, it just wouldn't occur to you to say anything about that. So he did that for the touring pros. Palmer did the same thing later. You know, amazingly, maybe even more. But Ross did that for the club pros, which is one of the things I didn't know before doing the book. And yeah, he did it uh, through gravitas, right? Yeah. Hagen did it through effervescence. It was pure character, yeah. yeah but, uh, Ross was just a um, dignified type guy. And if he came in the room, you know, the extremely well-to-do people that own the country, they just wanted to be his friend. Yeah, it was like you a know, different kind was, of shine. Yeah. There was that sort of blending of social things was uh, not common at the time. And uh, so it, he raised the whole, um, you know, in a lot of different things that he did, he raised their status yeah. uh, tremendously. And, but that was one of the discoveries that, that I wasn't aware of. And basically all of these different things that I found out during the research, the main thing that came in was that he was basically like the old Tom Morris of America. Yeah. He's the, I mean, his place in history was a prolific architect. You know, the Pinehurst did some of the best courses. But in the long run, looking at it, I thought he was the primary guy, not the only guy, but the primary guy. Nobody did more to establish the game in the United States than him. And that, you know, I checked with a lot of people, and is this my, am I reading this right? Because if you're writing a biography, you get under the spell of whatever your subject is. And I was aware of that. But so I would check. I'm like, am I getting, you know, is this Yeah, you want to make sure that you're, you know, yeah, an observer and not a fan. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you don't, you know. I'm, don't need a fanboy reaction a to it. geography when you're just, you know, writing fanboys. Right. And that's not what you're I You're affirming do. rather than being objective. Yeah, I was like, you know, with some of the courses that I've seen as well, I was like, this looks pretty great. I mean, it, it really, I mean, like, I, yesterday was my first ever real look at Southern Pines and Kyle's work there Oof. to restore it. Yeah. And 6,300 yards. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm like, let's, let's do this. Now, if I had a bad, if I didn't have a bad back, I would have just gone back to the hotel, grabbed my clubs and go. It's just well, spectacular. We'll get you an epidural and probably. I, I am all in. Yeah. All in on the epidural. It. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll go back to the lead mine and, you know, make sure that you're a, that's right. Yeah. Lubricated. Yeah. At least, you know, make yeah. a few swings. Yeah. yeah. So. Swing oil. 
Yeah, Swing oil. That's, I mean, they had that. The Scots had the ginger beer. Yeah, and all of these on the course. They had, it was medic, medication use, but uh, it helped with loosen up swing once, you know, yeah, we're not right. in high school it. anymore. So. That's right. So, all right. So, we've, we've looked at the revised, like this will do. Uh, we've looked at Pinehurst number two. We've gone to the USJ Golf Museum. That's not there yet, but will be, you know, when you re-listen to this in 2023, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's focus a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the history of, of some of the hotels. You can be brief, but just give yeah. me some, some highlights of right. the interesting stories, histories. Let's start with one that um, I think has a really cool history behind it. There's one that has a staircase to nowhere. You know, I'm not quite sure that I even. I will. Know. I, think I, I will I, tell you. I, I think it's I, the Magnolia. Yes. Um, yeah, that was actually Robert Hunter used to live in that. The Robert Hunter. The Robert Hunter. Wow. Yeah. He was here for many years, and he lived there. Uh, he lived in there for a few years, and then he lived in a house across the street. Um, which a banker lives in now. I'm trying to remember the name of it. They're both gorgeous. The um, old school from the original. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Magnolia. Oh, well, I tell you, we're going to have to go there. So, yeah. as I read up on it, right. um, the Magnolia Inn used to be five stories. Yeah, there's different photographs and stuff. And it's it's amazing that it's uh, yeah. kept around. It's very charming. It's very old school. It's a very, uh, like, uh, snug bar yeah. that's there. At one time, it had all this golf ephemera. And then um, different people moved in with uh, different things. And um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's... I, I thought the coolest thing about it, the story was that, you know, it used to be five stories. And... Um, the main hotel was upset that you couldn't see the village of the downtown village because of the height of the Magnolia. So they made them take off two stories and there's a staircase that literally goes to nothing. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that you like to have to worry about in civic life. You know, not, not, is it a pandemic or how many people got shot last night, but it's like arguing over that or, when I first moved back to town, there were the, on the front page of the paper was there was a tree limb that was hanging over from one property to the other, and that constituted a crisis. And I thought, you know, this is good. I, I want to live in a town where that's like front page news. Yeah, that, literally. And um, <clears throat> so Magnolia. Um, How about Pinecrest Inn? That's Pinecrest one that's Inn's, directly connected yeah, that's, to Mr. Ross. Yeah. Tell us a little uh, story Ross, about that. Uh, I guess they opened it in late teens or early 20s and he owned it with a friend of his from Scotland named McNabb and um, it was a great photograph of the two of those guys but they owned it for many years I don't think Ross made a great deal of money from it because he kept reinvesting in it Um, but he would give um, and there's a photograph in the book of him giving putting uh, lesson tutorial exhibition in the lobby there. Is that right by the fireplace? Yeah. 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 And to this day, I think it was Ben Crenshaw, if I'm not mistaken, that to this day by the bar, you can chip. They have this thing that sets in the fireplace, the main fireplace with the hole there. Mm-hmm. And you chip and see if you can get it in there. <clears throat> and I, I, I know that Ben Crenshaw had the 
record at one time. And um, so I think the last time I did it, I hit the a little bit higher and hit the marble thing <laughs> and went back through the bar or whatever. And Trick shot. Yeah, it was, uh, that was intentional. They were yelling at me, but uh, I just thought I would sort of liven people up. But uh, yeah, that's another... Thing. Just place you have to stop, right? You have to yeah. go see the pine crest then. Uh, the pine, yeah, the pine crest is uh, it's it's like walking back in the nineteen. If I remember right, you turn right and there's a bar right there, correct? Uh, yeah, right? there's uh, it's it's great. Oh, restaurant, wonderful. It's yeah. a lot of people have been coming there seasonally forever. Uh, one of the Moody Blues guys really came here, yeah. And um, Payne Stewart lived there, really. When he was studying with Harvey Ward, he, he lived there. He was good friends with the owner, Peter Barrett at the time, who's a friend of mine, great guy. There's a photograph of those two hanging out in, uh, in the uh, first book. And, yeah, there's, uh, there's more stories than, yeah. you know, I think everybody stayed there one time. Yeah. Is, there, is it true that Payne Stewart's signature is in the men's bathroom? Yeah, that's the last uh, remaining one. Everybody used to sign it with a Sharpie, and it was totally, it was, that was... Graffitied, yeah. Yeah, I guess like the Blarney Stone or something. Yeah. Know? And so they, they painted it over, but they, they put glass oh, and that's frame so over, cool. so paint, which is, was written like John Hancock, much larger than everybody else, because... It's Payne Stewart. <laughs> so true. And of course, he's you know hero in this town. That uh, that was the first U.S. Open. Who knows how it's going to go? He turned it into you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Him and Mickelson going down the stretch. Yeah. So that moment was um, you know for all sorts of different things. But yeah, he's he's definitely a patron saint of um, Pinehurst. Pain. Yeah. It is. You know everybody. I think every Sunday they still put the flag where it was for him. On yeah, Sunday. and that's, I mean, yeah. what a great memorial. Yeah, it's just, it was, you know, it's one... It's Adopted these, son. Yeah, oh, yeah, no question. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, when you get a certain scenario in a lot of different realms, you know, and you get all these elements, right, these things just start coming out of it. And so that Pioneer's has just been a repository for that for you know, for over a century. So. I had Bradley Klein on um, the history of Donald Ross on the show, and I can't remember for the life of me, maybe you can, um, out in front of one of the hotels, I thought it was the Holly Inn, but I'm not sure, Donald Ross used that grass for experimenting. Yeah. What, was it the Holly? Where, where was that? Do you I know? I think they did have it at the Holly, which is right across the street, certainly worth visiting. So if yeah. you're a golf architecture aficionado, it might be a place to check where, like, the turf grass was te- tested yeah, out. Yeah, I, you know, to look at me, yeah, I'm pretty sure that <clears throat> that was one of the places that they um, that they tested it there. And, of course, they didn't get grass on the greens until the 30s. Yeah, which should and shock you know a lot of people. Guys, yeah, you know, were, for year after year, it took them a long time to get grass in the fairways. In fact, they had to use colored balls at uh, one time, you know, because it was, it was, the sand is so bright, you know, if you're playing with a <laughs> white, even, yeah, so you find it, it yeah. a red golf ball. And then later on, they had great advertising, but in some fairways, when you came to play here, there would be, cows would be pinned in in the less turfed areas. 
the good old days. Yeah, you know, to to do that. The, Natural fertilizer. Yeah, my favorite, actually, my favorite story from the, yeah, the first book was they when they were first trying to grow grass here, they would grow it, and there was a bunch of razorback hogs here, and they thought it was they were setting out like a buffet for them or whatever. So oh, they sure. Would get just a little bit of grass, they would sweep through. So they, the next year, they uh, put a fence all the way around the course. And hogs could climb it. So really? The next year, they said we. The year after that, they put in a more hog-resistant fence. So that was fine, except that they came into the village, and so and, you know everybody's garden was a, uh, you know, deli. And the worst part was, a lot of the uh, houses are raised, and the hogs like to scratch their back, on, in the, like in the middle of the night. So these dainty women from. Boston would have a razorback hog, you know, sawing away in the middle of the night. You know, what is this? Yeah. And they would, uh, the men, red-blooded men had to chase them around and do all the, you know, to get them out. Crazy. You know, it was like. Crazy times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, different. It was, all of this stuff, well, a lot of this stuff was documented in Piner's Outlook, which is online. <laughs> From like 1895 to the early 20s, there were tons of stories in there, and there were a lot of other stories I never even got to. But just I, in these books, I always the parts that I thought were interesting or funny or profound or whatever, you know, I would just get those and try to work. Them Put them in, out. yeah, yeah. So another have to see if you can can do it, especially if you're playing the Piners Number Two is the place they call Dornick Cottage now. Yeah, Explain a little bit about what's the importance of Dornick Cottage to Pinehurst. That was, um, it was, it, Gil Hans lived there for a while. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's famous, yeah, folks. Yeah, there was another guy that lived before yeah. him, I think. Yeah, um, yeah Gil uh, lived there, and uh, we were happy to have Gil's... His work on number four. And yeah. number four. Absolutely. Yeah, number four has got... If in the early photographs, you have this, these vistas here. You know, it's not, you know, walls of trees you could see at a distance. If you live here, and you know, you don't really get many places where there's a vista. And uh, he was, I mean, if, when you play the course out there that he designed, um, that's one of the charming things about it is that's, you know, a sensibility, that expansive view yeah. is uh, playing in ample room because, you know, many of the courses that were built 20th century, you know, it's like, you know, good luck hitting the fairway. Yeah, you know, Like keeping absolutely. it out of the woods. And if you hit it in the woods, you know, you just Never chop find it straight it. Yeah, out. 100%. That's just not, uh, that's not fun golf. So pre-Gil Hans, just for those people oh, yes. who don't know who yeah. live there. Gil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Yeah, Ross lived there. Do we know when? How long he was um, in that house? I think 25. Ross's um, first wife passed away in 1922. And uh, he, he came over here 1899 to the United States. Mm -hmm. He went back to get her in 1904. So he waited. He was engaged that whole time. Yeah. Waited for her. And he loved her. And so uh, she passed away. And then it, as it happened, her best friend was really great, friends with his daughter as well. And anyway, they 
ended up getting married, or no, they got engaged. And because uh, it was like a trauma, the daughter was 12, I think, or somewhere like that, a child, and uh, her mom dies. And, but, you know, it was kind of saved the day because there was great affection with this, uh, her name was Susie uh, Les Aldridge. And uh, so they got engaged, and at the course, uh, I know I mispronounce it, the course in Rome, New York, uh, is where she lived up there, Tiujiga or something. Apologies. For <laughs> That's right. Uh, which is a great course, by the way. Um, so they get uh, engaged, and then she gets cancer and dies. Mm. You know, so Tragic. it's like one thing after another, yeah. and then right after that, he got engaged again because he thought uh, he had medical problems of his own. He thought he was going to die, and he wanted somebody to take care uh, of his daughter. And he, he married um, Blackington, I think is her last name. It was a prominent family in Massachusetts. There's still a hospital up there named for them. Uh, and so they met through that. I think he went down there to help her you know, sort out whatever real estate stuff was because he was involved in that. And uh, so he lived there um, the rest of his um, uh, life uh, in the in season here. He sure. would come here in like September to like April and um, and then and so he lived there for many years and of course that was starting in 25 he died in 48 but all those years, I mean, it's on the third hole. It's his backyard. Yeah. It's a, is it Yellow House? I'm trying to remember the color. Uh, no, it's brick. Okay, it's and, brick. And uh, there's uh, one beside it or uh, nearby that's yellow. But um, it's a great old. Um, that's the third hole of the oh, number Pioneer's two number two. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, he, uh, that was his most representative course. It was, it, it was his, uh, it was his number one pet. You know, yeah. you can debate. I remember reading, like, even when the resort really didn't have money, he'd still go out and tinker on the course, really, without even permission. He, you know, Just, he, yeah, he did what he wanted. It was his did. baby, right? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd tinker with that until the end. When they restored that, they, um, they went back to the late um, uh, 40s version. What you saw yesterday was a different uh, era of over at Southern Pines is, uh, in the 1910s was... Um, strategically pretty similar but stylistically it was very different in his earlier years he was more flamboyant yeah and uh but number two was micro calibrated by him you know to be uh you know basically the, the immaculate tournament course yeah and it was you know I, what i find about and i had to do a little research on this but i just assumed that He'd be buried here. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, yeah. Donald Ross is Pinehurst. Yeah. And I just assumed, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just look and I'll find, you know, the, the grave site for anybody, yeah, but I he's think not. It's Newton Center up there. Yeah. And, uh, you Massachusetts. Know, it's, you know, Massachusetts was, uh, I, uh, um, you know, it's, it's perfectly fitting for him to be buried there because I mean he did more courses in Massachusetts than anywhere he lived there yeah at Essex and yeah, yeah. he started um, Oakley yeah he lived in Essex and some other places uh, in Massachusetts moved around and uh, you know 
It just feels strange. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he yeah. was fine with it, I, you but, know, <laughs> but it just uh, seems yeah. like uh, yeah. No, it, uh, I see. What, I know what you're saying. It, I don't know. It's like he's so palpable of a spirit here. I mean, but, you can you feel know. his presence in Piners. Yeah, I, I mean, whether it's the statue in the square or or other, but I I swear, you know, if you saw the, you know the ghost of yeah. Don Ross, anywhere, you feel like it's going to be here. It is here. And uh, it's not all, uh, you know, fun and games. He has, he gets uh, fiendish enjoyment out of when you hit a shot that's a little bit too aggressive and it rolls way down the hill and you've got to pitch it back up. And the pitch didn't quite get there, so it rolled back down again. Yeah. He, he has, uh, I think he he's out there with a smile. Yeah. Himself. Yeah. You didn't know that you were. Enjoy you my hand. You shouldn't have, you know. Tempted that part of the green. You yeah. have aimed here. But you aimed there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did look this up, and you can find uh, James Walker Tufts at uh, yeah. Mount Hope, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. James, he was an uh, amazing guy. Those guys were – this was all – well, it started off as a health resort and for tuberculosis, yeah. which was called consumption. Basically, the town was – uh, dedicated to that, and in the middle of building the town, they find out that that is uh, communicable rather than hereditary. So the entire premise of your town uh, was well, to spread window. it. What are you going to do now? Yeah. You know? And so these guys, there were all these hurdles in that first book. You know, this happens, that happens. You can't get the grass to grow. You're trying this. You're trying that. They're desperate. They're yeah. talking to each other. There's still correspondence, and uh, but they made it work. And these guys were, uh, the fortitude and all of that was uh, uh, amazing, you know. I mean, they just made it happen. Yeah. How did people get into town? I believe yeah. they, they came in my train. Yep. And how many are, if someone's interested in the transportation and the history of Pinehurst and Southern Pines, are there any of those original depots around yeah. that, yeah. you know, might attract somebody to go take a look? Yeah, they, uh, the Southern Pines Depot, is that's the main track there. And then they would get off there, and it was a seven-mile uh, trolley to Pinehurst. Yeah. And that was, you know, seven miles was, I think that's how far you could ride a horse originally back in the day. Again, thought out, thought out. Yeah, though, it right? was like, you know, we were off the beaten path here and everything. So they had the trolley. There were different, uh, there were remnants of it that are, you know, and they still have at Knollwood Golf Club, a little golf club here, there's a sign there that it went through this hole and things like that. In the story, they, uh, the Pinehurst people set up a sign of Southern Pines and they took that out and it said Pinehurst Junction, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was another one of those front page, um, you know, fisticuffs and insults and things like that, you know, that. There was a lot of back and forth between uh, the two towns. There was a patriarch in Southern Pines named Boyd, who was uh, author. He has a wonderful estate there. And Fitzgerald stayed there. All those guys stayed there. They had the same publisher. But yeah, he was, uh, you know, the peer of Tufts. Mm-hmm. And so the, that boulevard, the Seven Mile Road, was supposed to be built one year. And it wasn't. And Tufts went over there to have um, 
dinner with them, and they had dinner, and they had a very cordial dinner with a lot of people. And then they went yeah. into another room, and uh, they, you know, they expressed his um, concern and um, with clarity. Okay. And he walked out with a check, and he's like, "We'll build." You know, they pioneers are supposed to build half of it, so the pines the other half. They hadn't done it, and he encouraged them to. And uh, yeah, strong terms. Yeah. I, you know, one of the cool things about that the depot there in Southern Pines is I think it's now the Welcome Center. Is that right? Yeah, they They've converted it. it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty nice, uh, and it's yeah, it's been there forever. And of course, railroads changed everything here. And, uh, and but this place is filled with historic homes, right? Yeah. I mean, like everywhere you go, yeah. history follows, yeah. right? And you have one of the homes here is uh, the Mystic Cottage. That, I think that's the one that Hunter lived in. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I'm almost certain. And I think he, originally maybe Leonard Tufts, I think, was in that house. Probably, and then yeah. Hunter, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, yep. And yeah, Leonard's house was ultimately um, behind the ninth hole of number two. But he had a private golf hole between, if you go past the ninth hole, the little par three there. Uh, if you keep going about 30 more yards, there's a little like 230 yard hole. Right. My friends, the Kramers family, um, lived there when I was growing up, so we used to practice there, you know. And it's another thing. Like his personal Yeah, it was hole? a personal hole. I mean, you have to love the people of Pinehurst. Well, you're going to need this will do in your hole. yard. You don't walk 500 <laughs> I know. yards I know. without being able to hit a Well, few you know, you want to check his green speeds and yeah, you, you know. need a, you know, a miniature course in that backyard. When you're like yeah, 100 yards from the course. Yeah. Only in Pinehurst. Uh, yeah, it's uh those sort of things. Yeah, they just there was a, a bunch of ridiculous, you know, amusing things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John Paul Newport wrote an article about that, uh, and, he ta- and he talked about some of the games that they used to have here. Basically, the article was about how the game had got very s- serious, and now the par three courses are coming back, like Cradle and other places. And um, he was writing about that early on there was a whimsical side to the game where it was pure fun, and they played these ridiculous games, including people like Walter Travis. And what they would do is, like, each guy would have a different club. Like, one guy would have a brassy, one would have a putter, one would have a mashy. And they had to hit in sequence, you know, as a foursome. So you might be hitting a greenside shot with a, with a brassy. So, um, How fun, right? Yeah. Well, that's, Who does they, that? They were right. encouraged to tease each other and that kind of thing. And so there was a kind of a balance. They played serious golf. They played fun golf, too. Yeah. And so they went hand in hand, and the point of... Uh, Newport's article was that uh, the par three courses are trying to bring that back into balance. That makes sense. I mean, I, that image that you painted before of Ben Hogan playing golf in somebody's house, yeah. I can't even fathom Ben Hogan doing that. Like, you just see yeah. this, like, stoic, or, you know, the, the oh, idea yeah. of a stoic man, yeah. and here he is playing, like, a, a serious, they fun game. They outgolfed him. I mean, they wore him out. Yeah. You know, who, and that was uh, Dick Chapman. Was anybody his analyzing his divots? That was the question. What's that? Was anybody analyzing Hogan's divots in the living room? You know, this, <laughs> any, in, any uh, difficulties incurred in the game, you know, in the course of playing the game are just 
you know, that's just what's yeah. going to, you know, if the house gets a little damaged, it gets a little it damaged. It's, we got to play yeah. the game. You know, I look at it and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by it because Piners for so long has been a magnet for golf and it's pulled in some great names. And another one who lived here or had a house here um, helped shape Oakmont. William Phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. William Phones. Big I, proponent of Pinehurst. Chris, tell me about the group of gentlemen, the, the outstanding individuals, um, the pillars of golf that hung out here in, in Pinehurst. Yeah, well, similar to, you've heard of the Philadelphia School, right? Absolutely. Well, they had a parallel that was here, and in the book, there's a chapter called the Pinehurst School. Because at the time, um, is it phones or founds? Phones, yeah, uh, phones. Well, uh, both um, Henry Phones and William Phones were here for ages, and uh, they lived a nine iron from the first hole of number two. Oh, really? Ross lived beside them at one time. I did not know that. I well, knew they had a house at Pine Needles, but I, yeah, I had no, no idea. They, they were on in, number two. That's where the owner of Piners lives now, uh, Mr. Dedman. Lives, lives in, in Phone's house. old house. Wow. And Ross, at one time, Ross lived beside him. Travis lived in the Holly Inn. These are all Walter within Travis. one block. Yeah. And then one block on the other side was... Um, Robert Hunter, who did Cypress Point. So you had these four. four of the, and some they, of the four of the greatest architects that ever lived. They were here within for, a couple hundred yards of each other. Yeah, for many years. Uh, the four of those guys. Uh, Trappist was actually credited with co-routing um, number two. I did not know that. Yes. Huh. He, uh, the original version, it changed quite a bit. Well, he helped with National Golf Links of America with Charles McDonald. I, there was that's a lot unbelievable. Of, yeah, there was a lot of um, cross. Uh, and I'm sure that Phones, I mean, he was playing, he designed Oakmont. Yeah. And, which is amazing in itself, of course. Um, one of the top ten courses in the United States. But obviously, he knew, he loved the game. Came here forever, and um, he, uh, I, I have no doubt that, you know, his fingerprints. Cross-pollination. Yeah, yeah. on number uh, yeah. two. I mean, it's going on um, right now, as you see, over at uh, Southern Pines. You know, people go out there, and people comment uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, and they ask, it's kind of a fluid situation. I mean, these guys, they were all, they were bodies. And so, you know, it's, it, the sense is that you welcome uh, the input of others. You know, yeah. We're trying to make a golf course. We're trying to make. You know, it's funny you say that. There is one article. I don't know if it's been substantiated because, you know, when you get into the press specifically and then pre-whenever, if you find one article, it doesn't always make it fact. Right, uh, but there is an article out there. Uh, I think it's from the 1920s, and I think it was prior to the 1927 U.S. Open at Oakmont. I could be yeah. incorrect on that. That says that Donald Ross came to Oakmont, yes, to help with bunkering. Yeah, that was Sean Tully. Yes, that, uh, that's correct. Found that well, I that was I inferred that from the research stuff. I was like, okay, these guys were buddies forever. Ross is up in Pennsylvania. He's in Western Pennsylvania. 
he's everywhere. But uh, his body lives there. I was like, he had to have done something. And I looked everywhere, couldn't find anything. So Sean Tully and Sven... Uh, Nielsen, Nielsen. Are, yeah, they were both on my both, podcast. Uh, yeah, for that. they are. And I turned to them many times, and um, and this, he found that, and I was like, "That's what I thought." Right. And it was basically Ross was a U.S. Open doctor for a while, and it's phones, course, but uh, and Ross just probably angled some bonkers or things like that, just touches. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he did, you know. It just stood to reason that, and. Probably more so with number two. I mean, Travis was involved in the original routing. Some of that yeah. is still here. It's got a very Pine Valley-esque kind of feel of architects. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, friendly architects. I mean, it wasn't... They, they were, were, they weren't they like were battles. Uh, and then uh, there was a little bit of a hubbub. And he wrote in 1920, <laughs> he was boastful. Uh, Travis was boastful about his input and made Ross seem like his little junior partner. And uh, it was, I think that was, I think, when listening to your podcast the other day, I think from reading through, because I saw quite a bit about Travis, and he was fantastic. I love the guy. Um, but I think he was kind of pugnacious. Sure. I, th- I think it just kind of, I mean, yeah, I mean, know, Bob Jones shows up for a lesson, putting yeah. lesson five minutes late, and he just no, walks no. off, <clears throat> doesn't give it to him for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah, or, you know. Definitely and, had uh, his. You know, with uh, McDonald and the uh, British amateur, you know, he would get in these scuffles because most of the guys at the time would, you know, kind of soothe it over. But he was, you know, it's just his nature. Bowl in a so China then, you know, he's yeah. like, oh, no, I'm sorry. But anyway, you can, when you, it's in the first book, when you read the article, it's pretty provocative. Yeah. And Ross didn't say anything about it, you know. I think that's kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, you see Travis and and McDonald, both like bulls in a china shop. When they fought, it was like, I mean, they fought via like the magazine. Like there was like articles basically taking shots at one another. Yeah. So it wasn't quite like Ross. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, well, there's always flashpoints of controversy and the game there will be in the future. Right now it's with the... uh, golf ball and you know the ridiculous distances and how that makes the courses irrelevant right which is also an echo from arguments in yeah, the past too it's, exactly we yeah. just There's repeat articles them in 1924 i remember yeah. that you know the ball has just gotten out of hand and and uh old tom was not pleased with you know some of the developments and everything and uh that's just part of it's like you know the united states is always going to have these Things bubbling around uh, the game of golf. Everything that's alive and vital, you know, it's like a living document. It's you're going to have those things. Hopefully, you can, you know, do it without, uh, you know, uh, being problematic. You know, you can have honest disagreements and things. Yeah. And by and large, with golf, that's uh, what's happened. But you, you know, we'll continue to have different things. Yeah, it happens. It's that, yeah, I mean, we it echo shows, just shows like in the history. vitality. We repeat it. it. Yeah, it's the vitality. So we'll, uh, we're, it's, uh, you know, you can get caught up in those things, but all it's going to work out, and the, fu- the future here is going to be terrific. Yeah, in this town, and hopefully for the game. In Pinehurst, Southern well. Pines is still always uh, going to be yeah, a magnet. This, I'm not worried about this area. It's like golf out in the country yeah. uh, is more concerned to me. Uh, yeah, this area is, um, you know, no, no worries with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the rest of the country, because... The clubs were built, a lot of clubs were built in the 20s, 
and there were country clubs, it's country club movement, but it was basically where you could get to from the city without too much trouble, a few miles. And uh, I was in the country, and then, but of course, horseback riding. Years later, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, it's these beautiful courses are like an oasis because everything around it is asphalt and concrete and just houses crammed in together, and you know they're huffing and puffing about having, uh, you know, these beautiful places, you know, for a handful of people, relatively, and you know, it's. Uh, it's an understandable criticism, but I, I think those things can be worked out. And uh, in fact, I'm almost certain they can. But uh, it will become an, a more of an issue as time goes on. And uh, but that kind of stuff concerns me. But yeah, they want to be careful about how they handle those things. So language counts. Yeah, language counts. But you know. All those people living in, uh, you know, cooped up places, you know, and I think basically, you know, you need to give them a little bit of access in some way or another. And use kind of the Pinehurst example. Uh, yeah, there's different, you know, there's different ways to do it. I mean, like Augusta National, uh, they have the kids stuff mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And Drive, that's, and uh, you know, that's like gracious and big gift. And believe me, I, can you imagine a 12-year-old riding up uh, Magnolia Lane? You know, they'll be electric. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine, right? Yeah, and they do the women's tournament now as well. So that's like an example of sort of... Um, opening your doors yeah, opening, a little bit you know, more. In a yeah. way that, you know, it, no. nobody, it doesn't have to, you know, pull down the private clock. It's not Disneyland. No, no, no. But, I mean, it's like a way of like, look, we're we're part of the community and uh we want to you know do our part and i think that every you can do that in various ways and so um you don't throw these things out the window yeah yeah there's it happens in other in australia as well they're having things like that well before we finish up on a golf historian's guide to piners are there any like things we missed I've, well, got, I've got two in the back of my head that I'm just saving to end with, but yeah. are there any landmarks or special places that if you're walking around, obviously there's lots of statues. There's Donald Ross in the square and Payne Stewart out front of yeah. Pinehurst number two. I think, I mean, the old town area. The whole town. Yeah, the, the old town, it's still, you know, it's as charming and beautiful as it ever was. It's about as, so, as pleasant of a walk as you can have. Yeah, and um, it's, I think, just the ambience, the cumulative ambience of walking around here. And you have to say that um, it didn't have to go this way. I mean, it was basically the peak um, of golf places. And then, you know, time goes on, and in the 70s, there were developments and it was you know the future was not uh certain and um bob dudman and tom pashley you know i'm not saying this to be nice but uh they've done a brilliant job i mean yeah. they're supporting the game yeah i mean they're the reason why we're here today well to be they, honest i mean they, they helped set this the up the right way yeah and you know it's like I there's the kind of people that you trust and because of that the 
the town is thriving again and basking in deserved um, appreciation, you know, and now part of the USGA. It's a hub, of course, yeah. or whatever they yeah. call it. And so that's, you know, that wasn't a given. That's due to their talent. I mean, make helping the USGA have a second headquarters is a huge thing. It is. And um, I cannot and, wait to and see And that it. was in the USGA guys that I know or, you know, I know a lot of these, and it, it, they give me confidence in the future because they're, they do things the right way. They're people of character and they're investing in yeah, players, really, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm not saying this just to be nice. This is what I think, you know? So. Yeah. Well, I'll give you two last stops for any golf historian coming to Pinehurst. You have uh, two fantastic, if you're looking to take a little golf history with you, antique shops that are not far from each other. One's owned by Tom Stewart and the other one's Bob Hansen. Yeah, those are uh, all kinds, just exactly the sort of historic stuff that you can't even imagine as well as stuff you can imagine. Yeah. Just filled with um, tons of different things. It's and, an adult you know, golf historian's toy shop. Yeah, it's uh, there's things you know like a striped jacket they used to wear playing golf. Yeah, and just all kinds. There's a of, wicker basket from I think Leith yeah. Links. I think Bob yeah, Hansen told me it's just. And, yeah, and then like, Tom Stewart's and books and it's just. I yeah. mean, both of them together. Usually, you go to a city. Yeah. And you can find maybe one store with a third yeah. of the things. Yeah. Maybe not even that. Like a. a yeah. 50th of what they have here in Pinehurst within I don't know a driver from each other you have these two amazing golf history shops yeah that's uh it's just uh again you get with the yeah like the ancillary stuff yeah and that you uh, you know I mean I've been here forever and I'll, uh, I'll tell you it's a love and hate for me because I go in those shops and I never have enough money for the things you want. Yeah. Well, uh, Vaughn and I are thinking about resorting to devious means to sort of liberate some of their stock <laughs> That's there. right. And, uh, you know, I know it's just bad. Yeah. I'm going to be sued oh. uh, properly. So, well, I was, I, I was the one that thought that up. There's, there's a problem. If there's a robbery this evening, Yeah. we've, you, you've just implicated yourself as suspect number yeah. one. Yeah, well, I got Rudy Giuliani's already doing the <laughs> papers and stuff, so I'm sure that I can handle the legal ramifications. So. But <laughs> hopefully. There will be some debate between Vaughn and I whether that makes the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. Well, I, I tried it not might to stay. Segue, I might keep it. I don't know. It's on you. Uh, that's, yeah, that one's going to be on me. That in, you know, like a separate, you know, the... That's right. The outtakes will be on the Patreon. Version. I think it might. Yeah. I don't know. We'll yeah, see where that goes. Be part of the secret history of Pioneer. the secret yeah. history of the Talking Golf History Podcast at the Pioneer. secret history of the Talking History. That's right. I like that. Yeah. Four seasons of history. Well, That's it. listen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I just I think it's very important that people visit the village of Pinehurst in Southern Pines. There are so many great golf courses outside of just Piners number two, Gilhans is Piners number four, Mid Pines, Pine Needles, soon to be Southern Pines, which getting the tour of that restoration work is outstanding. For yes. you at home that and you're not in Pinehurst, I, we have right here your book, The yeah. Life and Times of Donald Ross, yes. Chris Bowie. And I, again, how do, how do people find that again? Amazon, you said, but... But they say... Uh why buy one when you can have two at twice the price? That's, That's right. Perfectly well said. But um, 
That one I would order from Classics of Golf. Classics of Golf. And, and they yeah. should. People yeah. should get a lot. Of, they, their books are fantastic. And they've done a service yeah, they, for all of yeah, us. Yeah, that, um, that was really cool to, you know, to be able to get in because the graphics and things like that are huge. And to have somebody, you know, publish um, that. Uh, and a revered publisher. I mean, Classics of Golf yeah. has everything. Yeah, they... It's a compendium yeah, of... They, yeah, they're genuine, uh, genuine golf, uh, in-the-bones golf people. Yeah. And so that, um, uh, that, that was great. So, yeah. Well, and, thank you so yeah. much. Oh, this has been, This has been a blast. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm just wondering why you're not looking up real estate yet. You know, no, so you I know. Get here. It's funny you say that. I mean, I, it's literally... <laughs> scrolling through while It took we're the third time. The third time around, <laughs> it was yeah. like, I think I need to live here. Now, my wife, I don't know if she listens to all the podcasts. I don't know if she knows that I'm out looking for real estate today. But if I end up moving from Florida to Pinehurst, it'll be because of this third trip. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) In the seventh hour. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, no, thank you, though. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, My pleasure. And thank you for the podcast. I think it's fantastic. I've have many that I'm still looking to one on John Ball, I think. Oh, John Ball Jr. Yeah, yeah that's I, a good I'd one. I want to delve into that one. There's several that are loud. It's terrific. I mean, it, you've created a a real uh, fascinating uh, repository, and it's I'm it's terrific, and I'm honored to be on it. Well, thank you. I I will take that praise uh, as best as I can, which is not very good. Yeah. I I always assumed, and I've said this a hundred times. I assumed that there would be maybe 50 people that listen to the show, and I'm shocked at how many people are interested. Yeah, it's, I had other friends that had um, uh, websites and different things, and they looked at the stats. And you know, I, I don't uh, know how, what the reach is as far as that, but I know the quality, and, you know, and it's on record now. Yeah, and, you know, and that's what's weird, right? I mean, that, that someone... Could, Hundred years from now, could listen to this interview, yeah, like we're and listen on. to these two dead guys, exactly. Connor Lewis yeah, and Chris Bowie. Right. Yeah, we had a good time. I hope you guys are having a fantastic time. I know it'll keep going on. And they've they've place. rolled the golf ball back a hundred years from now. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, now the ball, you know, you can drive it like a buck fifty. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's, Your drives so 150 good. yards. Yeah, the courses. Yeah, they're too, too yeah. long. All right. Thank uh, you so much. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this unique glimpse into America's home of golf, Pinehurst. The Talking Golf History Show will include more intimate dives into historic places like St. Andrews and Prestwick in the future. Until next time, yours in golf history, this is Connor T. Lewis. Which one? So how's it going? Going pretty good, sexy. <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> That's right. We rarely get a chance to talk. No, we don't. Not on camera. We talk all the time. We don't do it on camera. Yeah. This is Von Halyard for you who are listening on the podcast that I'm talking to. Yeah. Oh, there's no chance. There's no chance. No chance. History goes so far. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, my body feels as old as this place, like 120 years. 
I mean, I don't, I, I haven't seen anybody playing in a wheelchair. I feel like that's about, about what I'd be like. It's yeah. going to be like 38 degrees. Well, you guys are doing a great job. This is This is fun. Yeah. For all the listeners, if this makes the end, and I just told We'll put it at the end. Yeah, it's a lot of info. The fact that we're in here doing this in this place, talking with Chris and Pinehurst, is a treat. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's uh, maybe a sadness hits me when I realize that the folks listening to this on the show can't see everything around us. No, I mean, we'll, we'll do a walk around. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, how about while we're doing this, let's just kind of paint a picture. Yeah. So we're in this the Tufts archives. Right. Yeah, large room. Yeah, but for the go people ahead. at home, you know, you know. We gotta go back to work with Chris. Okay, here we go. Uh, 